Hi, welcome to I Don't Know Shit. I'm Josh Johnson, and I don't know shit about illustration. So today I have Brian Crawford with me, who's an illustrator in Chicago. How's it going, Josh? Brian? Good to be here. Sweet. Um, so what got you into doing illustration? Um, I mean, my mom originally got me into art when I was a little kid. I remember like probably three or four, and she drew a picture. I think it was like of a horse, and uh, it really like blew my mind. It was like discovering that, you know, you can make something out of nothing or it just really was like an incredible like thing for me to, to realize like you have this blank pa piece of paper and all of a sudden there's like an animal on it, you know, and you can do that. So that that was like probably the earliest point where I, I realized like I was really into drawing. And then uh, later, I mean, I, you know, doodled all through uh, school and stuff like that, but uh, it wasn't until I started working at Trader Joe's and uh, met this gal who um, is also an artist. Her name is uh, Peggy Skemp. She's like a jeweler and just a an all-around like good artist. And it was at that point that I kind of like started taking it more seriously because I, I had some like a model that, you know, I could see see someone who was like making a success of it or or taking it seriously cool cool. and so do you have a work i mean how long have you been doing this um i mean seriously since probably like oh seven oh seven okay and is it is it something that you find hard to make a full-time thing or is it one of those things that yeah definitely i i uh, don't even know how to make it a full-time thing because the like marketing and business side of being an artist is like something that I have an aversion to and just kind of I don't know it's the part that I find the most difficult like I can sit and draw for hours at a time but when it comes to like getting things organized and presenting them and selling myself I just don't have much interest in that so okay I get you yeah yeah I find that actually with a lot of artists that they have this side of them that's like super super articulate and and really good about getting their actual work done but then when it comes to getting the work out it's this thing of like i don't i feel like a whore right just just yeah. putting my stuff out there just shamelessly promoting myself and totally and there's like something really self-indulgent about being an artist to begin with and i also feel like it kind of attracts people who are like anti-materialism and like you know they don't want to take part in the kind of like money game and so it, sure, it is sure. sometimes difficult to like be like yeah i'm doing this because i want to get paid <laughs> yeah and then i think you also lend yourself to people who see real artists it's almost like the same way that gentrification happens where it's like oh man that looks so raw and real i'm yeah. gonna do that right <laughs> but with a lot of money <laughs> yeah and then it's not the same thing at all. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying because I've, I've talked to some artists before that I've, I've almost been pleading with. I was like, you need to get your stuff out there. You're, right. you're the best I've ever seen. This is something that everybody needs to know about. And that's their one flatal, like, like their one Greek flaw. Yeah. Their, their basic flaw is that they, they don't have the ego for self-promotion and they don't have the, uh, the drive to, like, push other things out of the way to make sure that people see them there's a there's a very 
it's it's kind of it's kind of what I like about talking to artists and meeting artists because there's a backstabby thing you get in a lot of forms of entertainment where people are on the rise and then other people on the rise either start doing what they they're doing copying their idea verbatim or sure. I mean or just being at a slightly higher position of them and then stealing their stuff maybe or something like right. that and while I'm sure artists you know probably steal a little bit there's there's I think it's harder to do, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I've way more often found myself inspired by somebody else's art and, like, more, uh, I've spent more energy trying to get them exposed than, like, myself. It just does not, you know, like, you get used to what you're doing and you don't even think it's very good anymore. And then you see other people and it's really, like, exciting and fresh. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's way easier to get, like, get into promoting them and, and getting their name out there. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense and no sense at the same time because right. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where I know a lot of actors, I know a lot of stand-ups, I know a lot of people who are in like different forms of entertainment like singing, all, all this stuff like that and they like that sounds so foreign to them that they would right <laughs> that they would promote their friend instead of them or that they would go to their friend's show when they might have a show like right. uh, but that's one of the things I think is really cool about it and and just the fact that you you have to be this this factory i mean everyone should in a sense you have to be this factory of ideas and everything like that so like even when you do get artists that are stolen from or or it's a heavy influence so much so that's like did you just copy what they did or yeah. something like that the you go back to the original artist and they're like ah you know no big whatever. deal i do it every day yeah i mean like part of being an artist is copying like looking at something and copying it even mm-hmm. if it's not if it's not somebody else's work it's just a picture or some you know something sure. that you're drawing from the street like there is an element of theft i think in any piece of art that you create you know oh yeah cuz you're stealing from the moment right. that it happened in um do you have some heavy influences or do you have anybody that you look up to besides your friend that you mentioned ahead of time yeah um i mean there's definitely a lot of like there's some comic artists that I really like and uh, a few painters and stuff, but I'm not, I'm not super into like old art, like anything from, you know, like, Oh, you're not like, you don't get a boner over the Byzantine empire or no, anything like that. Not really. Can't. Like, oh, uh, look at this vase. That's all <laughs> yeah. dusty. Oh, it's so much art. Yeah. There's, there's, I usually will find stuff like really gross before, you know, the, turn of the century or you know the the early 1900s like until maybe like surrealism came around like Mm -hmm. there's not much art that i really find that appealing and explain what surrealism is for people like me so surrealism is kind of like uh taking it's um using symbols using images to provoke like unconscious thought instead of like your conscious thought so it's Mm -hmm. not it's not supposed to be pretty. It's supposed to be kind of provoking and antagonistic, and it's supposed to like, kind of dredge up things that we kind of bury and and ignore. Okay. Okay. Cool. And what would you describe your art as, or or the work that you like the most? Uh, I mean, it would probably be like pop surrealism, a little bit of like street art, and I also really like a lot of like Japanese prints and things like that. So it would be a combo of, of all those things. 
And so for street art, are you big into, do you follow a lot of local or just graffiti in general? Do you, are you into all that stuff? Yeah, I, I, that's one of the things I like about living in the city is you get to see new works popping up all the time, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I definitely appreciate the artists that are putting themselves out there in that way. Do you ride the train just to watch like new graffiti as it goes by? No, not uh, not often, but I would like. I mean, that, you know, I would like to get more into the street art scene. Like mm-hmm. that, that would be fun. Yeah, there's there's definitely this this really cool aspect that sort of still is, but definitely was happening in Chicago until they. It's not necessarily a law; it's just a way of uh, sort of bending the law a little bit, I guess. Where the cops start doing this thing where a lot of people have a tag, especially when, when new people are doing graffiti for the first time, they'll have just one tag. The tag right. might be their name or it might be a symbol or something like that. And the cops are taking pictures of every single piece of graffiti. Yeah. They start pairing the same or like tags and symbols together. And then when they finally caught the person, they charged them with like 300 oh, to wow. 500 counts of um, vandalism, which ended right. up in court, turning into, even though these are all like minor misdemeanors, it was like you know on like a park bench or it was right. on like an abandoned building or in a garage or something like that. They started uh, the sentencing was longer than some felony offenses. See that street art in particular doesn't make sense to me because I feel like we place like the value that we place on our the world around us and the things that we find acceptable in the world around us is really kind of mixed up. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand how you could be offended by like a provoking work of art that somebody spent time on compared to like a, Co- a Coca-Cola ad, like outside your window, you know, at night that's lit up at, at all times. Like, yeah. I just feel like there's, there's a certain amount of like aesthetic pollution that we tolerate that is legal because people paid for the space or whatever. Yeah. You know. And that's and that's actually one of the most ag- aggravating things that I find. I don't know if you feel this way, but uh, they've started doing this thing on the trains in Chicago. They might do it in New York periodically where you can you 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 can buy different spreads. So you can buy like an ad on the bus or an ad on the train and they're usually in the top corner of the of the train car that you're going to be on, but every once in a while someone really dishes out like money like mad money to just splay the entire walls of the train yeah and it's usually in one or two train cars in the entire train but i don't know if you've seen this but when you get on the train you get on and it's different ads for the same company just splattered all over almost with no i mean i know that there's some some sort of organization that goes into it but it's very much done in this this chaotic way and yeah. so everywhere you turn when you're looking around you're looking at the ads right. and it's a direct i mean it's a direct plagiarism of street graffiti it's yeah. exactly what you used to be scared to get on the train in the 80s for because the, the graffiti in, in New York was just so rampant and, and then people were tagging over each other's tags and making little murals on the train late at night. And so you get on the train and there would be tons and tons and tons of graffiti to the point where the entire car was covered except the windows maybe. Right. And people went to jail for that. But now ad agencies have taken that very same idea and they've used it 
for their own benefit, which I mean, when I when I got on the train, I was in, I was furious because I was like, this is actual graffiti. It's like you said, it's this this aesthetic pollution yeah. that I'm being forced to look at in no different way than than street graffiti, except this is okay because someone paid right shelled out you know ten thousand dollars for this to be on the train all month. Totally. I, I mean, I think that the like anti graffiti movement is based on like. It's just, a, it's like a poverty thing. It's a racist thing. It's, you know, anti-gangs. It, but it, I think, has evolved to something way more than that. It's not just like rival gangs, like, throwing up their signs, you know? Mm -hmm. It really is about, like, producing, like, putting your next great piece out. And, and there are some people who get away with it. You know, you have, like, Banksy who can throw up anything anywhere and, once in a while maybe gets in trouble for it but like he's elevated himself beyond like someone who's like marking up walls mm -hmm. and yeah yeah because the they were furious in new orleans when someone took down his piece right he put up um it might have been new orleans i'm trying to remember where he did it but he had a piece that was i think a telephone booth this may have been britain too uh but he had a piece that was his and someone uh just took it down yeah and people were absolutely like even even the people who were anti-graffiti were furious right about it and i don't know there's there's definitely an aspect of it that it's like i can i can only see in some instances even it being a problem it's like if it's on apartment buildings where people are you know living then sure i guess someone you know probably wouldn't want that they consider that their property or something like that. But it's right. like most of these things are abandoned and most of these things are things people pass with no concern. Like like old telephone booths, who's using that? Right. You know? Or like an old like a a building that is like old and condemned or something like that. It's decrepit. It looks like shit to begin with. Yeah. Like you're in in my opinion, you're improving it by putting art up on it. But sure. but like yeah, I, I think our priorities and what we think you know is beautiful is totally fucked up yeah and one of the things that i've you care if I say anything? oh yeah you can totally can yeah yeah oh uh, we also have phil phil white with us who is the person kind of handling all the podcasting stuff i know nothing about it he just gives me a microphone and i talk and you sound great oh i appreciate you sound it great <laughs> um i just wanted to say it's easy i think it's easy to blame the ad companies that pay to put their stuff up there yeah and it is street pollution I, w I would consider it worse than graffiti as far as right. value but wh who's who's the real problem because the ad agency would love to have would love to just pay a graffiti artist to put it up right you know what i mean and and you could because you could save what ten thousand dollars you could save nine thousand dollars for that um so who makes it wrong it's the state that makes it wrong it's the state that says no 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 we own this area that you guys all paid for and we own it still, even though you paid for it. And then we're going to charge companies to put up pollution in your place so right. that we can get paid double what we should be getting paid. And it's like, wait a minute. This is our public area that we paid to have. Right. And then now you're saying that I can't put my art up here unless I pay $10,000. Yeah. And no, it, I, didn't, I didn't sign off on that. And totally. it's also a thing of I'm really interested in street artists and comic artists as well because there's – there's an, there's something very I guess maybe Zen is the right word it might be incorrect to use but there's something very cool to me about 
someone knowing that their stuff might not be there the next day yeah. like they, because they like especially with street art and sometimes with comics too you know you have you have this thing where it's a big deal for the moment and then the moment's over like it may like like i can't imagine working on i, I mean I've, I've seen people that have been slowly putting together almost these mural pieces at night right over time and then it's finally done and then in like one foul swoop one day someone grays over it or someone totally. someone actually puts an ad there because it's like obviously people can see i'm surprised that they haven't capitalized on the the vantage point that you have from the train where you do see all of that graffiti like especially when you're getting on wilson sheridan and belmont are some great areas that rooftops are like sort of tagged or there's, right. there's uh, something there and it's amazing because because six months from now that'll be an ad. Right. There'll be a tiny ad somewhere, and it's like you completely stole that idea. And you know the artist more or less is usually okay with it because they did it for the moment people saw it. They don't even know who saw it. They don't know if anyone saw it. Right. And then it's over. And it's like that's a that's a hard thing to accept for someone like me who's like so neurotic about their work and their their yeah, idea of no, what has I mean, value. I, I that is one of the things that I appreciate the most about street art is that it is a temporary installation you know it, it, whether someone's going to paint over it or the weather's going to take it away like the, mm -hmm. those things aren't going to last so it is about like celebrating that moment while while it's being created and then you know throwing it throwing it to the wind and uh, allowing whatever elements to to wipe it out yeah i remember when i was a kid uh it was like we, we, I lived in Cicero, and we would have, like, gangs tagging our garage all the time. And my dad was, like, just anal about, like, painting, painting it over as soon as possible. Like, it was his, like, personal battle to, like, not let these people <laughs> tag up our garage. Yeah. And I remember for, like, three nights, maybe, there was somebody who was working on this really intricate uh, drawing of a dragon. And for, like, a little kid, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, I was so excited to have a dragon on our garage. Yeah. And I remember him, like, getting paint and, and going out there with me and, like, slapping paint over this, like, drawing that had taken somebody days to complete. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being like, this Satanist shit and stuff like that. <laughs> and I just remember being, like, looking at, at him and thinking, like, how I don't know. It, it really – it, like – put into perspective the kind of like mindset that that wants to like wipe out art or you know like mm -hmm. the the kind of ownership this is mine and even if someone puts something cool on it like that's not their right to do you know like uh, yeah and then there's also because i think that's what happens with com i love comics I, I love comics a lot and even though i don't know as much as i'd like to about them i, I read them all the time i read a lot of graphic novels and and so like that, and I find that comics have that happen with just time. Like right. time is the same thing because uh, unless you're very like like we said before in the beginning, unless you're very smart with your marketing or how you present things, and you can maybe take a bunch of comics you did ten years ago and and you know rebrand them as a collection of old comics or some lost comics or something like that, then normally if it's just an, a cool little idea that you have in the moment is an anthology with some other artists or something like that, it's going to fall to the wayside eventually. Unless right. you're an Alan Moore making V for Vendetta or Watchmen, it's, it's done for yeah. the most part. You totally. know, you're going you're gonna to have your glory days, you're going to have your month or two months of, you know, 
wow, this is really great, especially if it's a comic. If it's a book, you probably have longer, but right. just for an issue of a comic, it's like, wow, that was really good. Yeah. And then the Can't other one comes out. One, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like the weather. It's like right. rain coming in. It's just time. And uh, one thing I found out that is kind of cool about a, a good number of the Chicago street artists that are doing it, you know, completely graffiti style tagging everything, doing it illegally, is that a lot of them, like the majority of them, because of what happened with all those charges being brought against people in those like nine year, uh, 10 year, 15 year prison sentences, a lot of those uh, people are underage. They're mm -hmm. way underage. Like like one of the most pro like prolific um, street artists in Chicago, you can see her tag almost everywhere is uh from what i heard when i heard this she was like 15 so she may be done now she may not be doing it anymore which would make sense because i think i see less of her tags but she was like 15 when she really started tagging up the city and everything like that and that's because when you're a minor they just take away your spray can until you go home right. they might i mean they might bring up a misdemeanor charge on right. you if they're, if they're having a bad night or something but at the end of the day you've done all this stuff and they can't especially if you do trains if you do all this stuff you know even if you're not taking pictures of it and putting it on Instagram, which would be another of the whoring things. Like, look at the right. illegal thing I did last yeah. night. <laughs> but um, these 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 kids are doing it for, you know, a good number of years, I guess, from whenever they get into it till whenever they turn 18. And then when they turn 18, they stop doing the actual street art, but then they have an entire body of work yeah. that they can start putting into galleries. And so it's it's kind of this, this really cool way of... Uh, of just going around the man in a sense because people want it people do want it there's no if you w read comics if you watch animation if you if you do anything that has to do with art there's going to be some aspect of street art in it you know just the same way that you have to learn about ancient history and and you know art in the ancient world you're you're just going to be exposed to this modern sort of street art and so that's a big part of what we see even if it's just a cartoon well, why do you think it's illegal? I I think it's illegal. I think it goes back to what Brian was saying of of it's a it's a poverty thing. It gives people, you know, this the, it's especially people who see themselves as like maybe higher status or something and, and and it's a fear of the unknown to a degree because I think a lot of people think that tags are that all tags are gang tags, that all murals are gang symbols, that all that all little pe I I've, I've seen this really cool thing. I saw it on the train a couple times and I saw it in um in some windows of some abandoned buildings when I was at, this is when I first moved here when I was just walking around and someone had clearly just used one line to make a face and a monocle and everything like the peanut guy yeah. from from uh from what is that what, what kind of peanuts are those planters planters yeah so it, it looked like the planters guy but it looked more like like an actual white dude somewhere Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe to them this is an actual person. I have no idea who it was. I just thought it was really cool, and I saw it at three different places. And for someone who doesn't know anything about this stuff, they might see that and be like, this means something. This is, it's, it's the same way that scared parents freak out when there's new music. Totally. That they're like, what is this Satanist music shit? Yeah. And it's like, you made that up, you know? But I, I think that that's part of why it's illegal. The other part of why it's illegal is because um, – is now I, I don't know if this was the case in the 70s 80s and stuff like that but i think now it's because companies have caught on to what street artists have always been doing so now it almost has to be illegal because now we're gonna buy that we own that 
you're destroying our property. We do what we want with our property, even if we're doing the same thing. Well, sure, but companies don't own <laughs> they don't own that land. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. The sure. government owns that. So, yeah. it, and even if the company did own it, they couldn't make it illegal. You know what I mean? You'll you'll see yeah. you'll see graffiti in every bar in the whole city, and no and no one's going to jail for that. Right. It's, yeah. it's only the government on the government's property. Yeah. That I mean, can actually enforce its rule upon you. I do mm-hmm. think that whether or not it's like intentional or not, like uh, art is meant to provoke, and it is like culturally important because it makes us reassess like what we place value in at mm-hmm. that particular time. So for someone to be able to like put out a piece of art that's accessible to the public is is like a threat, you know? Like that, it, there's nothing about, like if you wanna go see some provoking art, you're supposed to go to a gallery and who does that? You know, like right. not a lot of people really like are people want to going out of their way to expose them. If you control themselves. art, you can control the ideas that people have. Right. That so, makes sense. so like to allow people to freely like put their ideas out there is, is really threatening, I think, to the government and to to just uh, you know the the system in general. The ruling class that wants to keep you in your place while they take all your money and yeah. exploit you. Yeah. That's cool, actually. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, and I, I don't know, there's there's something iffy and off. I mean, it's just kind of the way people are, at least here, but there's there's definitely something that sucks about things being iffy with whether or not they're going to be legal if you can't make money off of them. Right, like, right. <laughs> I don't know, I think, I think that that's, I, th- I think that's going to always be a main factor in why it's like, looked down on, because I mean, everything, like, like everything that we feel about everything, everything we look at, everything, it, it's all made up. That's all, you know, so this is the same way that someone sees a Banksy, a new Banksy piece of art, and then someone sees something that's probably just as hard to do technically and takes just as much time and is just as thought-provoking but done by some unknown. Right. It's, I mean, it. those those two things are clearly made up. Banksy has made a name for himself, so it's fine. Right. This person is just some hooligan, so it's illegal. It's It's a very... It's a very weird way that we that we look at things. I mean, like, have you ever do? You, I mean, do you personally know a lot of uh, like illustrators and artists that feel the same way that you do about, or are there any conflicting beliefs in like the art artist community of, about stuff like that? I mean, I think that there is. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would be, I would feel like you you're not going to find too many artists who are going to be really down on like especially like mural graffiti, mm-hmm. you know? I think people appreciate that. I think that people feel differently about tags. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where I, where it like crosses the line from, is this a work of art or is it just somebody like writing their name on something? You know, like, is it just like scratching something in a bathroom stall mm-hmm. or, you know, but who cares? I don't know, I, 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 uh, I'm okay with all forms. I think that, that we have every right to to scrawl on the world around us. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the white guy here. <laughs> I, I, some of that stuff. So it, it's it's one thing if it's like a Banksy, because when Banksy does a thing, it has kind of a political sure statement to it, and that is kind of what I like. Someone just writing their name on shit. There's not really artistic value to that. Right. And I'm, my line would be artistic value. Sure. It, what's the message of this thing? Because if the message is, hey, I want people on the train 
to read my name when they're going from Fullerton to Belmont. Like, kind of fuck you. Like, Yeah, I mean, I agree with that too, but I also feel like the, what was the turning point from, like, drawing pictures, you know, on carving in stone or drawing pictures in caves and things like that to now not being able to, like, scratch yeah, something into something when you feel like it, you know? I mean, I, it, is, it is, like, an odd turn for us and i do think that it has a lot to do with property ownership yeah you know well, but and i think that i think well everything kind of stems from like property ownership and respect of property rights and if you own your garage you can draw a fucking dragon on it if you right. want to right but if someone else owns a garage you shouldn't have the right to draw a dragon on their garage because that's not yours but then public property is everyone's so like I see your point where it's like, eh, we, we own it too. I should be able to draw up exactly my proportion right. of property. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was an interesting uh, thing that happened in Palmer Square. The neighborhood that I live in is, is uh, Logan Square, and there's, like, Palmer Square Park. And there w was, like, this kind of feminist graffiti that started appearing there. Um, a lot mostly about, like, kind of... Uh, like weight issues and, and body, things, image stuff. body image stuff. But I remember like a friend of mine got kind of upset because they tagged like the playground area, you know? And <laughs> like, and they were like, oh, what, what, why are they doing that? This is like a little kid's spot and things like that. But like, I don't know. I, I think that, that there's a reason why they targeted that area because there are people who are going there and bringing their kids and maybe they do need to be reminded that there's something that that there's a there is a way to go about like raising your children that in, includes a different way of thinking you know like sure. so i i feel yeah. like those kinds of things like do need to be targeted for for uh provocation yeah i it's funny cuz uh it seems like everyone's trying to get them young like that's a, yeah, <laughs> like, like like you like you you're born as a kid and like it I it you're almost immediately just bombarded with stuff like people trying to get you to believe certain things and it's like if you I almost wish that you could come out of the womb with like the 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 mental faculties of a twenty year old so you could be right. like what the fuck yeah <laughs> I just got here why are you pushing this on me <laughs> why is what is everyone freaking out about yeah. Like everyone's running in your face, like you're gonna go to hell. Right. You know, like, I just what I just woke up. Yeah. I just got here. I mean, not to get, you know, but Disney <laughs> is is like uh, the main perpetrator. I feel of like brainwashing children, and I think that they do it for a very specific reason. But we're tolerant of it because we have good memories of them, and we loved going to Disneyland. And some of our favorite movies were the cartoons that they put out you know but meanwhile i feel like they do slip a lot of like messages in that have shit restructured our our culture mm -hmm. what do you think they're trying to do you know i mean it's it's weird because whenever you get into like conspiracy theory you have to like Rationalize. Everyone, everyone already knows the caveats, the general caveats of a conspiracy. Yeah. Right. I mean, but, like, is there one overarching kind of, like, plan, or does it happen symbiotically, kind of naturally? But I do think that, that like, their goal is to uh, reprogram the culture so that they're consumers, so that they are about 
staying in their place and, you know, getting married, having kids, being concerned about all those types of things and, you know, not paying attention to what's really going on in the world around us. Do but you, isn't that just, just all the, part of the status quo? I mean, isn't that what everyone's kind of doing? Isn't that what religion is? Oh, yeah. Definitely. I don't think I don't I don't I, I just think everyone's doing it. Oh, I think yeah. everyone says, "Hey, get married, have children." I think so pay too. Your taxes. But I feel like Disney has done it in a very sneaky way because they are protected by cartoon characters. You know. Interesting. Whereas like you can point to a shitty pope or something and be like, <laughs> right. "Oh, this this guy's uh, and his group are really fucking things up." But like when when you try to get down on Disney, which is like under the umbrella of you know, other corporations that are more powerful and doing heinous things, like, it's hard to get down on them. Because you're, what are you, getting down on Mickey Mouse? It's right. like... Getting down on childhood. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's there's also... Okay, so I guess two questions for you then. Do you think the artists that work for those companies feel that way? Or do you think... Because I, I guess I, I have such a... Just one-dimensional idea of artists because of the ones that I know, which I know a good amount, but, like... They all sort of, that's why I asked you the question about artists thinking a different way about street art because, like, a lot of the artists that I know sort of think the same way. They're definitely not the same people. They're sure. all very unique. But whenever it comes to things like we're talking about or their approaches to art, they all feel relatively the same way. So I'm wondering if there is such a thing as this 40-hour work week corporate artist that is just uh, that just cares about, like, let's get the work done. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think when it comes to doing like working for a company like Disney and, and putting out cartoons or movies, like it, it, I do think that it's largely just get your work done. Yeah, you know? no I, one's I sitting on beanbags. Yeah, many people who have like more of an artistic input than just, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. Sure. But, you know, they, they've definitely slipped things in also that, you know, I feel like there's been, there's a, a few Disney movies where they're, they've, gotten in some sneaky stuff and mm -hmm. and it's passed by well do you think too this goes to my second question is that I, w I was reading a book and in in one chapter it was talking about how and this doesn't necessarily have to be art but i'm going to use art as an example that you can work on being a great artist or you can work on being a successful artist right. and so you can work on being so good at the craft that it's um you know, the most ideal work you could possibly make. You can't even imagine the work you're going to be doing two years from now. Or you could work on being incredibly successful artists, whatever that means, money or, right. or super a uh, ton of exposure or, you know, lots of fans or something like that. And the idea that I think most people have is that by making great art successful, being a successful artist just comes with it. Right. Or you do have some examples where, especially in, you know, some people criticize actors for this too, where it's like some some of them get a, a great amount of success from maybe from one project before they're, uh, you know, artistically mature to take on other ones, but mm -hmm. then they sort of gain that maturity from the experience of doing those extra projects. Right. And do you think that that's the way it works in the art world where you, you do get noticed and picked up and grabbed for your great art? Or do you think, because this is something that, is not I, I think that's one of the reasons that self-promotion doesn't necessarily have to always happen because it is something that you did the work the work will live for as long as people let it live as long as no one tears it up or paints over it or you know especially if it's in a gallery as long as it's sitting in that gallery like you can be off doing other things whereas like actors have to audition or like you know people have to constantly be promoting themselves putting themselves up on on certain platforms and 
do you think that the great artist becomes a successful artist or if it's vice versa or if it's a mix of, of I both? I think that it is a mix of both because you have people who are super talented and have created one iconic thing that kind of pigeonholed them and then all of a sudden they're trapped and one, whenever they try to branch out from that, you know, the same thing with actors. You have actors who take on a role and they excel so much at it that all of a sudden, you know, no one wants to give them a chance doing anything else. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like you have artists who have, who are like a slave to what they've created. And then you have ones that uh, are, are allowed to like explore other realms and are still taken seriously. But yeah, so I would say that it's definitely a combo of both. Does that, is that disheartening or is that encouraging for you? It's a little you? disheartening because I, cause like, you know, they're, they're, I wouldn't want to like draw a portrait of a dog or something and then all of a sudden be known as like the dog portrait guy who mm -hmm. has to do dog portraits for the rest of my life because no one wants to take anything else seriously. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. And as a, as a, for lack of a better word, but as a consumer, or I guess you're even a fan, it's like you never notice yourself doing that sort of thing. Where, yeah. where I think, I think I saw that happen a lot with like when Jim Carrey was in the movie Twenty Three, right? Uh, the number Twenty Three, and I was such a fan of that movie. I love that movie so much, and so many people just hated it. Yeah. And I was like, what? Did, what did you expect to happen? Like this, even the trailer didn't look funny. Like, what right. more does he have to do to let you know? And at this point, he had been in like Eternal. Sunlight was it? Was Eternal, Eternal Sunshine? Sunshine. Yeah. yeah, he had been in that one, and he had done I think two other movies that were like dramas that weren't funny at all. Yeah. So he was clearly an actor, like he's a you know a stand up and and a comedic actor, but he was clearly like just being an actor in this movie. And I remember when I went to see it, I was so excited about it, and I was having such a good time. And then the parts that were funny, people laughed extra hard at, right, like yeah. too like hard. Just like they've been waiting for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like a release. Like, it up. Oh, thank God. <laughs> right, and and it and it's uh, it's one of those things where I don't think sometimes the fans or or the people consuming the art even know that they're doing that. Like if you did become you know uh the canary in the window guy right and you make this beautiful portrait of a canary in a window but then you also do like you know a pluto rising sort of thing like some some horizon in space and people don't get it and they don't like it and they're like what happened to the canary guy so yeah, then you right. make a picture of a woman hanging out of a window and they're like this is art yeah like that's that would be insane. And I think a lot of people don't know that they do that. There's there's an individual responsibility, I guess, to, of course, you know, take in everything that you like, but also to to be mindful of of the artist, like they, they who they want to be and, and everything. That's that's something that I'm noticing for the first time now that a lot of what I would almost call character actors are, are branching out and they're starting to get leads and they're starting to get and to me that's just the guy from the thing. You know, right. it's like, that's yeah. the guy from the thing. I don't even know his name. Yeah. What's his name? I mean, we have become super brand heavy. So like you, whether you're an actor or an artist or, you know, a musician or whatever, like you create a brand and people identify with it. And if you put something out that's contrary to that brand, it's going to, it is going to be jarring. You know, mm -hmm. we like, we like to be comfortable. We like to think that we know what's going to happen next, you know, and to be surprised I don't think is fits in with like our culture right now. And I think the reason that brands are so heavy is because we we have to put all these big companies behind it. 
movies is a huge thing. Like right. you, you look at you look at the Coen Brothers or Wes Anderson, most notably. It's like, man, your first couple movies are killer, and they're really like pushing the envelope, and they're really going there. And then it just kind of, and not that his recent stuff isn't good, but it just becomes the same. Yeah. And it's just the same and the same because they need to know how to produce it. And as soon as they know how to produce your thing and you're not changing it, you just become part of the cycle. And right. they know how to brand you or they know how to market you. And you just you just fall into this thing because people just – I don't think people want to keep changing all the time. Right. I think we want to change for a while and then get to a place where we don't – where we're not compromising anymore and we don't have to change. So – let's just rake in cash for the rest of forever. Totally. I mean, like, one of my favorite artists is David Lynch. And, you know, he did some great stuff when he was younger, and I do feel like now that he's gone a different direction, like, I'm not as, like, happy or thrilled about his yeah. work as I was when he was making movies, you know? and But that is unfair because it's, like, I don't want him to stop exploring whatever whatever area he wants to explore and uh, but uh, what not i like that about you him, ever could for yeah, the yeah exactly <laughs> not that but anyone well, that's stop that's what i appreciate that. about him is because he has taken he's branded himself but he still controls that brand like he's not allowing anyone to like make the decisions for him so if he wants to turn his website into just a music like a showcase for his music he's gonna do it you know whether we like it or not which is i mean on one hand something that I would wish he, you know, like, I, <laughs> I don't appreciate as much, but, like, I appreciate that he is doing his own thing, and he doesn't care. And so do you feel a certain urgency or a, a certain need to brand yourself and to do all the things that you see working for other people? Is that something that kind of, like, eats at you a little bit? Or I mean, you know, a little bit, but I've also kind of had my the opinion that I'm I am extremely stubborn and I do feel like I'm gonna do things my own way and if it doesn't work out I could give a shit you mm -hmm. know but I don't think that like be, be making money off of being an artist is not important enough to me to like censor myself or to like adjust to the demands of the public mm -hmm. so like I'm yeah I would rather produce what I want to produce, and if it doesn't get recognition during my lifetime or after my lifetime, I could care less. Mm -hmm. And so you you find yourself doing it definitely more for you than for anyone yeah, I'm else. A selfish person. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's not even that. It's just I'm I'm usually around stand-ups who are like, do they like me yet? Right. Like, and, I, and I'm very much that way myself, where I will either go into an audition or I will do a show, and then afterwards, just it, it could it could go great. Right. It could go absolutely. It could go the best they could possibly go for someone at my skill level, and I will still beat myself up about whatever I missed. Yeah. Whatever I even if I mispronounced a word or something like things that people don't even notice unless they listen very closely. And so it's I don't know. It's very nice to hear somebody that's like clearly doing the work for themselves because it's what everybody should be doing. Yeah. You should live your entire life for yourself. But I mean, being an actor or being like doing stand up you have a more intimate relationship with your audience, like you're right in front of them, you know? Whereas, like, being an artist, you can just make stuff, put it up online if you feel like it, or mm -hmm. not, you know? Yeah. So, it, <laughs> like, for me, a lot of times, like, I'll, f I'll finish something that I've been working on for a month or something, and, and then I'll put it away, 
you know, and never look at it again because yeah. I don't care. It's done. Like, I did what I had to do, and now I'm on to something else. So, uh, yeah, I do feel like a, a large part, especially of being, like, an illustrator or somebody who who is working on a skill like that is about the practice. Like, each piece is a practice, and you learn something from it, you, you evolve. And then once you're done with it, you kind of, like, look look back and you're like, meh. You, you notice all the things that you don't like about it because you've got you've gained new skills or you've learned new things. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think when the robots take over and uh-huh. the computer and humans uh, are become extinct by computers, and they look back on human beings and what is what are the cave drawings? Why are they doing that? I think art and the reason it's awesome is because it's such a release. Right. And no matter what form it is, it's always like I'm I am doing what I want to do. I'm telling you what I want to tell you. And that's why when you watch these like bullshit fuse MTV shows where it's like they're just pontificating the status quo, you're not a fucking artist to me. Right. You are you are entertainment TV and you're telling me shit that I don't care about and don't want to hear. Yeah. And that's the difference I think between like the Kim Kardashians of the world and the Banksies of the world. Right. It's like you're doing it for money and you're not doing it's not a release to you. Right. The only release to you is you releasing it to the public. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it's almost a little frustrating that you get to release your stuff. Like I, everyone I know just keeps it pent up and tries to release it through funny. And yeah. sometimes that's still not enough. Well, like that, that I that's what I really appreciate about um, like musicians is I feel like they are able to do have this like release and it's cathartic in the same way that art is cathartic but i feel like it's way more loud and like you can you you get stuff out that i don't feel like you can get out like working on a pencil drawing or something you know like it like music is more of like the jackson pollock like expression of of art where it's just kind of like free and chaotic and violent violent violent. (laughs) and so that is one thing that you know like my art tends to be really technical, very detailed, and time-consuming. And a lot of times I am frustrated with my, like, I, I just habitually go to, like, finishing and making things, you know, rendering and all that kind of right. stuff when I really wish that I could just, like, shoot paintballs at something. or You know, like, I, yeah. just, I wish that it was a little bit more of a violent act than than what it is and so do you find that there are other mediums that you want to get into or, or is it you're mainly comfortable where you are and that's yeah where definitely you're i found like i used to sculpt a lot and and i found that to be a little bit more of like just helped it, it was more interesting to me to explore that than than it is to draw okay you just have a lot more freedom you have a lot more tools to work with and sculpted with clay right Sculpting with clay or just, I mean, anything, you know, plaster of Paris, chicken wire, shit like That's that. That's cool as yeah. hell. <laughs> it's yeah, cool. it's, it's fun to, like, build something that takes up physical space, you know, that, yeah. that like, really, I don't know. Is there. Yeah. Is there there. Yeah. Right. And so do you think that you're going to eventually try to just sell everything just to clear <laughs> it out just to get the shit out of your apartment well, it's like, hilarious that, that you say that because i was thinking about that this morning like you know a lot like i love the idea of like traveling and being free and unconnected like i hate being locked down in an apartment or a job and things right. like that and 
part of me does resent like my artwork for like holding me space. down somewhere. <laughs> yeah, like to, to that I have to like find a place to keep it like bothers me, you yeah. know? Like I I wish that I could sell it all, not because I want to make money, but because I don't want it to be like attached to me anymore or to be like something that I have to care for. Interesting. That's really funny. Yeah. It was funny. I, I went to summer after I graduated, I went to a film festival in Italy and it was like you stay in churches and schools and you sleep in a sleeping bag yeah. with you and people from all over the world, Russia, China. It was a ridiculous, amazing experience. I think I'm going to do it again next year. Um, but it was, it, it was totally what you're saying. It was like, I'm released from everything that's holding me back. Right. I'm, I'm here until I want to leave. I'll do whatever I want. We're, I mean, we're sleeping in the church for free. Like we're just here yeah. to do it. Um, and when I was there, I met a guy and he told me, um, the, um, everything that you need. So like your apartment, the price of your apartment, the price of your health insurance, the price of all this stuff, your monthly expenditures that is the price of your freedom. Right. Because you have to have that to be yeah. free. And right. if you don't have that, you're a slave to whatever whatever's going to get you that end. Yeah. So just make make your freedom really cheap. Totally. Don't require a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know I mean it is that that is the way that I feel about life. I'm like, man, they've really got it rigged where like they make you think that you need all these things and mm -hmm. when you when you do like have a retreat like that, you know, you, you realize like, man, really all I need is like a little bit of food and a place to sleep and, and I can survive. And like that, it, it's disturbing when you, when you realize like how much junk we fill our lives with that, you know, really isn't necessary. But it's so convenient. Yeah, it is nice. It's so nice to have a, an iPhone. Oh, totally. Are you a big stuff guy? Like at all? Or you try to get rid of stuff? I mean... Like, I think I'm like most people where I accumulate, but yeah. I don't have, like, much attachment to things. Like, I used to be a huge collector of, of like, comics and books, toys. Like, I was, like, an action figure person mm -hmm. who just would, like, completionist style, want to get everything in a series yeah. Or, yeah. or whatever. And uh, I had uh, a house fire in 07 that just took everything from me oh my and so god it was like on one hand sad i lost a bunch of shit but i'm still alive and like mm -hmm. it really taught me that like all that stuff that i had such like i attached so much pleasure in acquiring like wasn't really necessary and it was completely frivolous it mm -hmm. didn't improve my life at all other than like giving me something to to like attain or something you know like yeah. yeah and really like getting the stuff is not as great as like searching for it like finding that rare action figure or that rare comic is like way more exciting than than having it in your hand <laughs> you know yeah because once you have it in your hand you throw it on the shelf and whatever and then you know and, it, and in my case it burned up and the, and like i didn't have it anymore so what it, like what did that experience get me didn't yeah. get me anything so i do feel like that definitely changed the way that I feel about stuff. And, you know, as much as I would like to go back to, like, collecting action figures, um, you know, yeah. I, I sometimes will go into a shop and look around and want the stuff, but <laughs> just not buy it. <laughs> okay, so I guess this is my other question. Then. 
do you think because i a lot of the artists that i know and some and you know this is a people thing not necessarily just an artist thing but like a lot of stand-ups a lot of um actors and different people from different backgrounds feel this way of like i personally think it's silly to even try to own a house i don't understand why people try to like like put themselves through that just to own a house that they can die in right it's like you could you could have died there anyway you could have yeah. had a bunch of rent paid and and died there anyway it's a it's a stressful thing and so like not just the stuff culture but like this ownership and how how are you going to own something that's going to outlive you like that's yeah that's i mean it, i think it it gives you like a false sense of security like mm-hmm. this is my place like no one's going to come in and and bug me here you know like like my last apartment my landlord told us a month before like we had to renew our lease that we weren't going to renew our lease and that he was renovating and we were supposed to be out and part of me like did start thinking about ownership after that because i was like man if you own your house then no one can come in and tell you to leave you know but it could it's the government (laughs) yeah exactly like that nothing's really safe for all that long so so i would agree i mean i don't like, I would like to have a house just to store, you know, just to be like, oh, there's, it's secure. But I know from experience that even having that is not secure. Mm-hmm. So, well, that in like, what is it, like three quarters of the people who have a mortgage don't finish their mortgage. So right. it's like you never owned your house. You, or you even, thought you owned it. <laughs> like, my, my neighbor. Uh, had to sell his condo even though it was paid off because the taxes on it were more expensive than renting like monthly yeah. so oh t- that's crazy How that like it doesn't matter away with when that? you yeah like it, there's no the money's going to get sucked up in something one way or the other how do you how do they get away with like yeah i own this house i paid for it right and the land that i'm also paid for that and they're like, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, would still give us money. Though. Yeah, <laughs> like, hey, you can't live for free. Come on now. <laughs> well, but I didn't. I paid for it. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. More, more money for us. Yeah. Are you? Uh, or do you consider yourself because of some of the things we're talking about and and your your viewpoint on art and everything and and just like culture in general? Do you think that you're a little bit like against the establishment anarchist because of that stuff or because of just what you've seen would you would you do you think you would approach everything the same way if you weren't an artist or has art sort of made you look at things in a different way i think that it does and I, and i think that like it probably just being a consumer of art uh has definitely challenged my like ideas of what what should be acceptable or what's you know like what's the norm mm-hmm. um but I do feel like being an anarchist is, I just feel like that's that's the way we should all be. We should be like, yes. I'm against the establishment until the establishment gives me exactly what I want. You know, like the, the, we shouldn't just support things because that's what we do or because doing the opposite would be chaos. So I do, I feel like we could embrace chaos a lot more and things might get a little better for us. Uh, do you think, do you think too that there's anything that you don't consider art? Like I like, 
in in something as as broad as the actual form right. of like like this is art or this is funny this is comedy or this is you know drama or something like that there are always these things that are, that are almost fringe maybe because they're so pop culture or because right. they're look they look so easy to do is there anything that that is considered art by most people that you don't consider art at I all I mean like Thomas Kincaid probably okay. the master of light and his pastel cottages <laughs> like he I believe is the most collected and most wealthy art or like he's not alive anymore but uh, his estate is the most collected and, and uh, best-selling of all art and it really to me is kind of trash like he, he established a formula and he just regurgitated the same thing over and over again and you know grandma's like it so yeah, yeah but but i i also don't feel like i can be the, the one to judge that you know like sure, if grandmas sure. are inspired by his pastel cottages then good for him you know yeah, he yeah. deserves everything that he's got but like yeah there's definitely art that i think is beneath you know the what should be considered like yeah it was <laughs> there's high art and then there's just some shit <laughs> it was so funny i i was doing a show one time and then after the show there was a band that was part of a separate show but so basically the venue had like three shows running that night first one was a comedy second was a band third was a band and so i was still around when the second show started and this and this band started playing and this guy sitting next to me wasn't on any of the shows that night he was just friends with someone who was i guess in one of the shows and just started completely sober can start like railing to me about how cover bands aren't art and right. they're not music yeah. and it, and he hated cover and he hated the people up there because the the guy up there was doing a bunch of like well-known covers like yeah. some elvis presley covers and some some stuff like that and people were getting really into it because to his credit he did sound good i'm basically tone deaf and yeah and i could tell that he was rocking and so the guy was so mad, and it was just one of those things where in my head I was like, I think you're more mad than is reasonable, because he yeah. still had to learn to play music. He Sometimes still had I to feel like, like that's just based in jealousy. Like It's gotta like be a little the, bit. this that guy's was... like, I play my guitar all the time, and no one cheers for me, you yeah, know? And, yeah. and, and I like, write original art yeah. in my closet, <laughs> right. and no one is cheering, <laughs> yeah. but this son of a bitch <laughs> yeah. is Copy playing blue suede shoes. Claps. Yeah. <laughs> piece of shit doing a cover of blue sway shoes making making everybody clap with him yeah what a bastard no i i i agree i mean i i do feel like sometimes i'm i can't tell whether or not i really dislike the art or i'm just jealous that somebody's getting away with doing something so easy that you know i'm like ah oh, man <laughs> yeah they're like, really milking this one because because to to a degree everyone needs their amount of work put in unless you're just a genuine thief everyone's putting in work to make whatever they make so it's like i think a lot of people have that feeling towards like prop comics or like impressionists right. or something like that but it's still like this dude this give him some credit he built a clock right. and put a mustache on and called it a grandfather clock <laughs> like like get like like leave him alone for a second you know he had a, there wasn't anyone cheering him on while he was making a clock in his kitchen Leave that dude alone, you know? And it's yeah. like, even impressionists. I once watched uh, an impressionist for 45 minutes, and he was doing 
he was doing everyone in Hollywood pretty much spot on. Some of them were like, and the, he had this incredible ability to do them so well that even though they were like C or D list actors, yeah, people knew who they were. Right. So oh, there's was, that guy from that thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that is the guy from Pulp Fiction for those five minutes. Right. Like that is it. And so that was really cool to watch. And I heard some people hating on him, and I was just like, that dude had to. Like, like, I don't even really know. I don't know anything about impressions or what it takes to become an impressionist, but I would assume you have to first listen to the same thing for hours on end. Like, totally. Like, listen to every every part of how it's said, every, every you know, mannerism, everything that goes into it. And that dude did all of that and then brought it to stage for 45 minutes, which is, like, no short length of time yeah. for performance. And so, no, I, I, I definitely... I've felt that way too before where I'm like I think I'm just being a jealous little bitch right like, like whenever someone gets a an insane amount of success but I don't particularly feel like what they do is that hard or that creative and and then I have to check myself a little bit and be like well calm down they did have to do a lot of work to get where they yeah. are no one rolled out of bed and landed on a red carpet that's not how things work even though it seems like it sometimes <laughs> yeah some people <laughs> yeah but yeah I, I mean I'm constantly like judging things and then being like, oh, but whatever, it's not my taste. Like I don't like old art. Sure. I, that doesn't mean that it doesn't have. It's not like doesn't have something to say or it's not important. It just is not my taste. But I'm not gonna like pick at the art institute because they have a bunch of paintings that I don't like. Do you are you having a project right now that you are really excited about? Do you have something coming up that you? Uh, I mean, I've been trying to get a like. A comic started for years and it is you know like my ideas keep on changing and just the amount of work that goes into doing something like that like you know writing it storyboarding it getting the character design down it's it's something that it is like a lot to to handle so it's a slow process but that is something that I'm excited about just because I feel like I like when uh, my art gives me like an like a direction or a journey to go on so I feel like a comic book is something that's ongoing that I can like evolve in and I would like to get it uh, I would like to make that a reality and so within the within the like world of being an illustrator which is obviously what you do uh, would your dream job for like let's say you could choose anything would it be like to be an inker or to do something for a specific comic or what what would be like the absolute dream absolute dream would to be to like self-publish my own work okay so that i'm not working for anybody else and i mean i don't want to do it all by myself i would like to have like a, a team you know where we're all collaborating together mm -hmm. but that's it's difficult when you have a project like that which doesn't really have any kind of immediate results like it's hard to get people together for something that's like okay we're gonna work really hard on something that maybe will you know get people's sure. attention or something you know so but uh, that would be my dream is just to be able to like produce art with a group of people you know and not have to worry about the where I'm gonna stay or how I'm gonna eat Sure, and it's funny. <laughs> so one day, I, when I was, because I also work at Trader Joe's, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, one day I was ringing up this this couple, and this was when the second 
installment of the reboot of Spider-Man was coming out, <laughs> and I was just like letting them have it because they already expressed no interest in seeing the movie. So I was like, okay, this is perfect, like-minded people. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't, I can't believe that it's still a character. Like, I want to love Spider-Man, but I hate Peter so much because <laughs> he's a piece of shit. This dude, this dude wakes up every day with those Spider-Man abs. He yeah. has Spider-Man abs every day, and he's still yeah. like, I can't get Mary Jane to notice me. And it's <laughs> right. like, you were Spider-Man when you woke up. You were Spider-Man last night. What? Explain to me what is happening, because when I can't get a girl, it's for real. Right. It's every every part. There's no secret side that's way cooler that I'm scared to show her because it'll get her killed. <laughs> there's just me playing Scrabble, sniffing rosé that my grandma's drinking. Like, there's no... There's no way around it. And so I get tired of him just being a little whiny. I can't get married. Take her to the beach, all right? Yeah. Take her shirt off. See if that doesn't garner her attention for a second, you know? <laughs> Fucking clown. And so I ring them up, and we had a good time just, like, kind of kind of making fun of Peter Parker, who was probably crying somewhere in a ditch. <laughs> Where he belongs. It's like, you're Spider-Man. You, don't, you would never catch, the, like, even though Bruce Banner is a much wimpier version of the Hulk, he's still like, hey, you really don't want to piss me off today. Like, you really, no, it's bad for everyone. Like, he's not, he's, it's not a power play, but he's still, like, doing something. Spider-Man, like, why did Peter Parker have to be such a bitch? Right. He's, like, such a bitch. He will, like, he has superhuman reflexes and lets people punch him in the face all the time. <laughs> let the punch the glasses right off of his face and it doesn't make any sense you didn't have to you chose to be a bitch you right. could have been a regular guy and then spider-man at night but you actually went with bitch <laughs> yeah because you thought it would it would really p throw people off the yeah, trail it's like <laughs> yeah. superman only only no only mask. more of a bitch yeah. <laughs> like like even superman even clark kent is like oh i guess i dropped my glasses again lois like you know like i go fly out the window while nobody's looking and not save any black people like i gotta i gotta get all that done you know but spider-man is like oh no brock don't hit me please yeah. my ribs will break and it's like it's annoying and so then after that couple left the lady that i rang up after them was like i used to write and illustrate for spider-man no way no dude no not even kidding she used to work <laughs> for marvel and she used to do i think the ink huh. and maybe a little she she maybe wrote like one story or something. i wish i could did remember her name share your sentiment she did yeah. that was the funniest <laughs> thing that was the funniest thing because she was like you're right it's annoying it's like and and they would they would make and i don't know i don't know who was her boss or anything i don't know the exact like years that she was she said that she like five years she worked on it or something like that and she said that like it was annoying because we constantly have to go like weaker and sadder and it was just it was just pathetic and and you never think of comics that way like when you're a little kid and you love comics and you maybe want to make comics one day you never think of someone getting their ass handed to them at at, at like in in the green lantern think tank room right because they had a dumb idea and then they they go <laughs> yeah. home and have an extra beer towards alcoholism because they're like, man, fuck Green Lantern and fuck my boss. Like, you never think, but these are like real jobs that people have. Like, right. these these artists got their dream, and sometimes the dream is just not not what they thought it'd be. But like, that's a that's an amazing thing that there's because people don't see that side. They think that everyone is just kind of like hanging out with laptops with MacBooks on water beds and just like, sharing their ideas and their yeah, feelings. Loving and every minute of it. One of them draws a picture every hour, maybe, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then they show it to each other from across the room and they all giggle. Yeah. And it and it's not that there's like real pressure involved. There's real like 
like there are directions that people are taking. It's a very it's a very serious industry, and it, it's just funny to me that like you don't see that side of anything, and you don't like even when you go to something like Comic Con, it's just it's just a bunch of people dressed up as their favorite thing. There's you don't see the side of it that's like yeah, I mean Fantastic Four almost didn't happen, you know, and right. and I I think I don't know for anyone listening when you're listening to this but this is like around the time i don't quite think that fantastic four is out of theaters yet and it's been so amazing to hear like ner- I, I saw a nerd's nose bleed <laughs> he was that mad he was so <laughs> mad that like a little bit of blood came out of his head <laughs> and it was like one of those things that you can't even you can't i couldn't believe i was seeing it it was like because I just asked him about it. I was at I was at Third Coast Comics, which is a comic book shop in Edgewater, and this dude started railing against it so hard that he crumpled up his comic a little bit because his hands got <laughs> tight, and then blood just came out of his nose. And I was like, how? Like how? How are you this upset? Like there's real war going on in the world. This isn't like some Sandra Bland versus Cecil the Lion dispute. This is like actual fictional things versus real things. And I don't think the ten o'clock news has ever got anybody this mad. Like right. blood came out of this dude's head, and he didn't what, notice what right did he away. Expect, though, like it's not like there was. Was like a great Fantastic Four movie before this one. Like, yeah, they've it's all got kind like, of been crappy. So it's got like, like an eight on Rotten Tomatoes. And I think yeah. I think I keep doing this. I think every podcast I'm just gonna mention Fantastic Four and how badly it's doing <laughs> because it it had a nine and that's when all the reviews came out. And now I think it has an eight. It may have a one by now, especially if that dude has anything to do. Blood yeah. came out of his head. <laughs> like I can't. Like I can't because when I watched it happen, he was. <laughs> He was bleeding and probably just thought he was sweating. Like he <laughs> he was bleeding out of his nose and it it dribbled down out of his nose past both his lips. It like hit his a, a drop of it like hit his chin and then just started landing on his comic. <laughs> and it was he might be anemic because it was running Dude, too thin. See, that's the kind of that's the kind of consumer that all artists need. Someone yeah, who's right. Get that Someone that's that upset. Like they, I need a nose they ruined Reed Richards, you know. <laughs> It's uh yeah it's still at an eight eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's amazing. Like, how do you make something that bad? And now I'm almost intrigued. Like, I really want to go see it. Well, yeah, and, I heard that know. the director like came out against it. He was like, yeah, they took this movie away from me a year ago, and just. Well, yeah, at that thing. point, you have to save your own skin. It's kind of right. like when Jamie Foxx did Stealth, and then was on late night making fun of his movie that was coming out. <laughs> Like, he knew it was so bad that it, I think it had had, like, maybe one red carpet event, like, one preview from critics and stuff like that. It wasn't doing that well. And he just went all out against it. And sure enough, it came out. And, like, I don't remember, I mean, I watched it when it when it came out, uh, as soon as it got to DVD. And I don't remember if the big gripe was that it didn't make a lot of sense or it was too unrealistic. But it he was, like, against it, almost. Yeah. Like, it at least felt that way, listening to him in interviews. And... That's amazing that, like, because, you know, directing is an art, and, and it's funny whenever something like that happens, and then people want you to know, like, hey, I had nothing to do yeah. with what happened. Yeah, I was just happened. standing in there, just, just right? saying my lines, like, that. that is unfortunate. I wouldn't want to be part of, like, a collective that's putting something out and do my best, and then all of a sudden realize, like, oh my god, this this whole thing is a mess. That would be That would be pretty disappointing. At the same time, though, like, I always, I always, I hate directors doing that the same way I hate, like, uh, corporate 
overlords, like, uh, what's the name, Skilling and Lay at Enron. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, geez, sorry, we didn't know. Yeah. We didn't know they were doing volatile trading down there. Right. How are we supposed to know everything that's going on? Well, it's your job to know. Yeah. And it's your job to change it if right. it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely a strange way to to come across like like an art because because that's got to upset the people who worked on those comics, you know? Like that's... totally. But especially with the movies, I feel like they've got it down to a formula now where they know like if we just put this name on something, we'll make. <laughs> at least this much money, you know? And maybe if it's good, we'll make more. But, like, all we really care about is making that bottom line. I wonder if they're hitting it, though, because it's, like, it, it is, it's this, it sparks some interest, but it's also, yeah. like, doing so poorly I mean, that it's, like, that's what I was I mean, checking. It's only okay. at 50 million. Yeah. Gross, and that's worldwide. Yeah. And what did it cost to make it? I'm trying to find that. Uh, there. It doesn't look like they're <laughs> fitting to release it because they right. know it's, Probably two hundred million dollars. I mean, it's yeah, a huge a summer chance. blockbuster. Yeah, like, but how much do they make off of marketing and you know I all mean, that kind of shit? Like, I didn't see that much marketing for it. Right. First of all, and and that's probably because they knew it was trash. And marketing, marketing yeah. and distributing is like doubles the cost of any but production. You so like, you make action figures or you yeah, know, sell that, it to Burger King or something and that'd be hilarious. Some crap toys like if no kids want the action figures <laughs> yeah. like the movie did so movie bad. Was shit. It was like fuck this Michael B Jordan. <laughs> but Man. yeah, look at who's in it though. I mean, he's still coming out with Creed later in the year which is probably going to be great. So he's doing fine. You think they just did it for a payday? It had to be because then uh, there was an interview where they couldn't even really answer the questions that the well, that I, the person was asking. Like they were like, "Why make a Fantastic Four movie?" And then I don't know who said it, but one of them was like, "Well, look at how many Batman movies there are." And it's like that has nothing to do <laughs> right. with answering well, the question. I heard that, that like it was it 20th Century Fox that put it out. Mm-hmm. They, I heard that they just have the rights to Fantastic Four. No, they do. The, they made they the do. previous movies. Mm-hmm. So like, I think. That it was like a rush job. That they were just like, we got to, yeah. we got to do this before our rights run out, just to capitalize yeah. on the name. But they used I... to do that. They used to make them like shitty B movies though, and not tell anybody exactly. about them. Yeah. <laughs> and then now apparently they're trying to make money off of them. Right. Yeah, it's a real shame because it, like with that happening, Fantastic Four being in the Avengers in any capacity is not gonna, you know, yeah. get anybody excited. Right. But I don't know. That's. That's a big thing. Have you ever considered that that you could maybe make a, a work that gets that big? Is that is that like a pipe dream that a lot of artists have, where it's like I'm gonna make a character and it's gonna be, right. you know, the Holden Caulfield of comic books, right? <laughs> and we're gonna take it to the top. Like, is that something that you find in your in your circle of friends that are artists, like a like a a very real? I think idea that some people are driven by that idea to be like recognized for something like really you know something huge that they created Mm -hmm. like there there have definitely been times where i've like been working on an idea or something i'm like man this does have like huge market potential but that's not really what motivates me it's not like i'm like oh yeah this is really gonna make kids go crazy you know they're gonna love this (laughs) character yeah but i but like there's been times where i'm like this could potentially be something big and i wouldn't mind if that happened you know yeah, no, that makes sense. I feel like a lot of problem that artists, especially at our age, have is that, like, our stuff is for people our age. Right. But everyone our age is trying to do something. 
Right. So I'm like, <laughs> you're you're throwing out to people who aren't picking anything up in the first place. Right. Like it's not a huge market. Twenty something dudes, twenty something girls are our generation. We have no money. Yeah. We're, we're inheriting all the debt. We can't buy anything. So the people who explode are these YouTube people or right. the podcast people because they're free because they get to people for free. Um, but you and you can't you can't build an empire on that. Yeah, but I do feel like. Right now, we're living in, like, an age of, like, proliferated art where the what it takes to make something has uh, become so accessible to the yeah. public that, like, sure. we can make something, like, huge. Like, a couple people could make an animated movie using the technology that we yeah. have right now that would have taken, like, a team of 100, you know, 30 years ago. So, so like, yeah. I do think that, like especially with a comic, like, the idea of it being something that's, like, physical is not really, like, you don't need to factor that in. Like, yeah. if I if I were to produce something, it would be entirely online, you know, yeah. because that is accessible and free, and people can share the, you know, they can... Throw it around to yeah, everyone. Throw right, it around. Right, charge and, people. Right. Exactly. And, but, and I think the cool thing is, because everything is so, so much more accessible, it makes these big it makes the fantastic fours the people who make that they actually have to make shit that's good right or else people won't go to see it because they can stay home and watch netflix all day right so they push these cameras to be higher and higher resolution and then more and more exclusive and there's more of a difference between what the consumer can get and what these guys can get right and it's and i think that's mostly a good thing and if you look at the trend ever since they've brought in these consumer cameras in all these dslrs like canon and nikon everyone can get one and now these, they've just, these, uh, the Hollywood has just invested huge amounts in cinematography, huge amounts in all that stuff because they have to phase up. Yeah. You have to phase up or else you're gone. Because yeah, they have to distinguish their pro- product from, you know, what anyone can make. Well, right, and you're, and you're out $200 million if you can't do that. Right. They'll run you out of town. They're working for free. Yeah. I like that. I do too. I'm, I'm excited about it, and, and I feel like it is, I, I think that it is a great time to be an artist. You know, you have, you not just have your immediate circle, but you have the entire world. Like, yeah. you have a way of getting it out to anyone across the globe. So that that is exciting, and I think that it really, it gives me a lot of hope that, like, you know, my little efforts could be can recognized. Hit, right, and, and hit I, everywhere. Yeah. And so you don't think that because i guess this is the question that a lot of people have for every single industry out there except for the ones that are relatively unknown so you don't think that like the instagrams and the twitters and like all this stuff like that you don't think that the um constant bombarding of people with stuff about stuff is in the way you think it's helping i mean i think that there's always been a surplus of junk out there you know and Mm -hmm once in a while things do rise above and and garner more attention so like instagram like you have a lot of crap but there <laughs> you know like you don't follow the crap if you don't want to see somebody taking selfies every day then don't follow the person who takes selfies every day you know mm-hmm. so i do feel like there is it just it puts you in touch with your audience like i use instagram and and like have like a large uh, community of like minimalist photographers and people who do street photography and take pictures of like 
run down things and you know like it, it puts me in touch with the people who are, are already predisposed to like what I'm doing and I, mm-hmm. and I also can like what they're doing you know so I think that it's yeah on the one hand it like gluts the market but it, it also filters you know you you have people who are like-minded that just kind of like self-filter and I think that's that's the interesting thing is I think these huge companies are gonna start they're gonna start having to pilfer off because you won't be able to control the artist isn't gonna deal with your control anymore right he doesn't need it he can no. get out whatever way they totally. want to and it's interesting how like the internet will turn into where people live like they say in the movie like it people are gonna live on the internet oh yeah and you're gonna you decide what content you get and everyone's gonna have a in my opinion everyone will have a little bit more money but everyone will be doing what they want because like hey if you have a podcast that 10,000 people like and are donating to it's just money it's just money circling around totally. and you're gonna donate to other people and that'll keep them going and they'll keep the, all their shit going yeah and it's a weird thing but it's like these companies are gonna go down because they can't compete exactly they can't compete with what people want yeah we'll, we'll lose them like we're losing the bricks and mortar stores that we don't need anymore you know it's like the, these places are so useless yeah but it's which is kind of exciting to me in another way because I feel like the the world around us should be like a haven of like like it should be like nature you know we should be able to like walk out the door and like see trees and the sky (laughs) and stuff like that and so for the internet to come along and be like you know what you don't need walmarts and walgreens and mcdonald's and all those kinds of things like around you all the time like you can get stuff it's our, actually, it's our actually needs easier can be to spread if you have if you don't have those super tall buildings blocking the signals. Right. In. Yeah, you yeah. want that. Well, and if you like, I've I've done a few like corporate videos and stuff like that, and you walk into these companies, it's like first of all, is anyone making anything here? Why are these people sitting here? Yeah. What are they doing? You're a, you're a, you're an associates. You're you're whatever whatever associates. What are you doing? Oh, you're offering advice to basically people overseas who don't know the rules that you're putting in place. Right. So you have to, so you enforce the rules on them and then you get them again by coming in and saying, oh, we're gonna help you uh, fix the rules, but we get 80% right. or whatever percent. And it's like, well, that's a, that's crime. That's actually organized crime, what you're doing. Right. And when the world becomes free and we don't have to like deal with this bullshit rules everywhere and everyone can just be cool and nice to each other, Fuck yeah. you, government. We don't I, want you. I think that, like, a return to a more, like, animalistic lifestyle is what we should be striving for as, like, a species. Like, the the idea that we had to separate ourselves so much from, like, what should come natural. Like, to be able to satisfy your basic needs shouldn't be this difficult, you know? Like, other animals get what they need and can can sleep on park benches <laughs> yeah. yeah like it's frustrating to me that like you can't fall asleep outside without the threat of a ticket or you know getting scooped up and putting and yeah. put in some holding cell so i i think that that's like a really exciting thing is that we're we're moving to, towards like where you can essentially survive off of your own personality like yeah. you can have a youtube channel where all you do is play video games and talk and like riff on them <laughs> right. and that can support you and i'm uh, like as much as that might not be high art like i totally s- love the idea that you can survive off of 
what just you what makes you mm-hmm. unique what makes you an individual that's so cool yeah it's, it's cool but it also like i don't know i like that and i like that like these big whatever uses companies are going to start shutting down probably but at the same time like i like going to the moon too you know what i mean like i like exploring things we've never done sure and i like doing really really cool shit like like bridges that cross rivers that have never been able to be crossed before right without a boat like that's fucking awesome to me and that takes planning (laughs) time and work and like i don't know what do you do to convince those people right well i don't i mean you know the like there's like the mars mission that's being assembled and it's all volunteers and it is going to be like privately funded you know like those things are going to happen they're the like we're never going to stop exploring you know and just because there's not like uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm forced I'm, exploration. Yeah, yeah, like as much as I'm like anti corporations or like the business culture or whatever. Like I'm, I think that they do a better job of than the government of like get you know getting out there exploring, making things because they have to. Big, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, have to, they, you have to be better than the guy who's doing it too. Yeah. Right. So I think that there's plenty of ways to exploit that and still have adventures have fun you know find new things and so with your like with your art projects i i am kind of curious are you because this is one of the things that i've always liked about art is that sometimes you get people who um are in some sort of medium and it could be any industry it doesn't necessarily have to be entertainment and they're like a pure fraud right just a pure fraud (laughs) but if you're looking at something someone painted or something that someone made, it's like they made this. This is no, there's there's nothing around. They they could do it again if they had to. Like this isn't just a flash in a pan moment. Right. They, they made this. And so are there, when you work on your projects, are you ever thinking about like how, how it's gonna come across to people and how like, cause, cause I think sometimes it's the same thing that you mentioned with pigeon holding where sometimes then people come across as not being authentic and they're in their like sophomore work or you know something right. like that and do you, is that something that concerns you or are you more or less kind of just do your work and that's about it yeah i mean a lot of my stuff uh, like other than working on something like a comic book which would be really accessible to the public um a lot of my stuff has been purely just kind of like meditative projects so so like i've done a series of like mandala drawings or thangkas which are like uh buddhist paintings Mm -hmm. and so just kind of like for me the end work is not as important as like absorbing what my inspiration is and then uh reinterpreting that in my own way and just the the kind of like exploration so i yeah i've never really been worried like oh i'll get stuck doing this because i have to it's like I choose my projects because they inspire me and I want to learn more about the subject matter and about myself. And so for me, that's the important thing about like creating art or being an artist is not like being recognized. It's about exploring the world around you and also getting to know yourself in the process. And so for anyone listening that wants to check out some of your work, where they can, where can they go to? Uh, BrianPaulCrawford.com. Okay. That's like my website. Sweet, sweet. And do you tweet or Instagram, any of that stuff? Instagram, yeah. Instagram, okay. So, ulcerous underscore thick, 
is my uh, username, U-L-C-E-R-U-S underscore F-I-K. Okay, and cool, that's, cool. But that's, like, mostly just photography. Okay. And then um, <laughs> is there any is there anybody that you consider to be, like, a total fraud that's, like, a contemporary artist right now? Is there anybody that you're, like, no... Nah. <laughs> Nah, that's, that's not bullshit. Working for me. Yeah, I don't know. I because you're such like... a nice guy that I'm trying to get you to say something mean. <laughs> hey, I already dished on Thomas Kincaid. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but he's not gonna hear you. Yeah, no. Uh, honestly, I don't. You know, I I feel like I don't even have a place to say that because I, the amount that I pay attention to, like, the, to like current art is probably. I just don't feel like I would be able to make a statement about what's going on right now i mean i would be more inclined to dish on like music or movies than i would other artists so i get you i get you what's your least favorite music artist then least favorite music artist i don't know i mean you have to say something mean about somebody before i let you go it would be like probably a combo of anything sounding like creed or the or like pearl jammy like that her that kind of stuff i don't really care for no <laughs> what you go yeah that's gonna be amazing yeah is that <laughs> that that like that groan like you like you ripped your toenail off right like, but moms love it you yeah, know that's yeah. the thing is like that. yeah moms are getting weirder <laughs> These moms, yeah. somebody's got to stop these moms, dude. Yeah. <laughs> moms coming out of nowhere, loving Creed. Isn't that dude drunk all the time? Probably. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, my name is Josh Johnson. I don't know shit about illustration. Uh, thank you so much, Brian Crawford. Now I know a little bit more. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, it was a pleasure. All right. Thanks. <laughs>